Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done for us, every single one of us. We honor you right now. Go ahead and honor him. Give him the weight and the reverence that he deserves. Before I say another word, God, I want to give you thanks. I want to give you praise. Even in the midst of chaos, I will yet praise your name. Thank you for holding on to us. Thank you for sticking with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Hey, good morning, church. And if it's not morning when you're listening to this, bless your evening, morning, noon, and night. All praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're starting a new series this morning um, called Velcro. Um, Pastor Tim has asked me to start it off, so no pressure, Dustin, but I'm going to try to start it off. Uh, let's just open up our Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 38, and I believe we'll be referring back to this throughout the messages of this series. Um, yeah, how's your coffee? Is it hot? Is it warm? Is it good? Are the babies wild yet? <laughs> All right, <laughs> well, let's do this. Um, let's get into the word. Uh, this is a series called Velcro. Um, and we're going to talk from pastoral, uh, personal struggles, uh, personal struggles of mine and Pastor Tim's and Pastor Sean's. And um, I'm really excited. Hopefully you feel the, the vulnerability. Hope you, hopefully you feel the relatability um, through it. We just want to share our hearts with you. We want to encourage you through every season. Okay, so Romans chapter 8, verse 38. And I will read that since no one is in the congregation right now except the band and Hello, band. You guys look beautiful. You did amazing. Bless you. Uh, for I am convinced, verse 38, read it together. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Velcro. I am convinced of this, Paul writes. How about you? Are you convinced in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of a national crisis, are you convinced of this statement that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. I want to talk to you from this perspective of being convinced, of being convinced of the Velcro. So my angle of this is going to be in the context of my personal struggles in the storms of unanswered questions. A lot of the pastors that what, what, when we're preaching, we're going to say, this is what this message is about. My personal struggles in the storms of unanswered questions. Would you raise your hand if you have any unanswered questions? <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, the room's filled with hands. Raise your hand if you have, seriously. I mean, this, this has been, uh, uh, Pastor Tim asked us to be vulnerable about something that we have, we have struggled with in faith. And I think for me personally, 
It's been a lot about that. Um, I know not even kind of aside from faith, uh, my whole life is wrapped up in faith, but aside from faith, I can be like an answer man. Um, do you know any of them? Maybe your husband or your wife is like, Mr. Answer Man. I know when I first had, uh, started a relationship with my, my wife, now Chantel, um, we, we would be talking about some serious things. And, and, and she might not remember this. Hopefully she doesn't. But I, I would be just Mr. Answer Man. I, w- I would just have an answer for everything that she said. It was like, I'm sure I'm going through this or I'm feeling this type of way or whatever. And I would be like, well, here's, well, here's the scripture for you or here's this. And, and, you know, I learned along the way that can be a good thing. But really what a wife likes and, I, and guys, I'm going to help you out. It's just for you to listen. It's just for you to be like present. And uh, I'm still learning this. And sometimes um, I like daydream or get sidetracked or something, but like that. But, but I ask the Lord to help me. But I'm trying not to be Mr. Answer Man. But this also floods into my relationship with Christ. I don't know about you. Someone comes me a question. Someone posts on Facebook. Someone does this or someone does that. Here I come, Mr. Answer, man. I'm a pastor. I know all scripture. I read the Bible a couple times through. You know, you can, you can be like that. And, and, and when you don't know the answers, it can be really challenging. It can make you question a lot. It, it can really hinder the movement of the spirit in your life, it can movement the flow, it, it, it can ruin, you know, the, the things that Jesus says in Matthew 22, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love people. Because you don't have all the answers, you feel like, what? I don't, I don't know about you, but, but did you know that Christianity was not supposed to be about knowing all the answers? Did, did you know that as a pastor, My goal is not necessarily to know all the answers. I know the Spirit will lead me on all the truth. Just just let's pause and let's let's say a lot of that. Think about that. Have you struggled with, God, I want to know all the answers. I want to know all the answers. And when I don't know the answers, it it just, oh, it it makes my, my faith illegitimate. People don't look at me. Let's pause. Let's talk about these unanswered questions maybe, maybe, maybe God just wants to expose some things through it and wants to awaken us from a, to a different perspective. Let's pray and we'll get into the word together. Sound good? Yeah. Jesus, we worship you. I thank you for this message that you've given to me. It's, it's challenging. I knew that you wanted me to speak from this perspective. So God, would you give me strength? God, would you encourage me as I encourage others? And God, that I would speak with boldness and confidence, God, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm talking about, yeah, unanswered questions. Let's think about the power of words. We got it, right? The power of words. Here's where I'm going to start. Um, think about when someone is just encouraging. You know someone that just has like a nice thing to say all the time? Uh, I'm a words of affirmation type of person. The love languages, that's me. Uh, I tell Duke I love him like every second. Uh, tell Chantel she's beautiful every day, every time I see her. Uh, other people aren't that way, but that, that's just me. Um, but I think words are so powerful, don't you? Um, Duke's starting to say words now. Uh, it's something like when you have a baby, uh, it's like obviously like the most amazing, miraculous miracle of all time. But then when they start saying like daddy, it's like, 
your world just falls apart. So Duke is saying words. He's saying words like uh, daddy home, yay, daddy home, yay. He says, daddy, go to work. We just asked him the other day, who do you want to go to the beach with you? He said, Nana, uh, mommy. I said, you don't want daddy to go? And he said, daddy, go to work. And so I'm like, no, I don't. I, this, that's not showing my workaholism or anything like that. No, no, I hope, I hope not. But it was just funny. He says, oh, there's a deer down there in the wood. He said, there's a deer down there in the wood. And so I, I like that he says wood and not woods. Uh, pretty cool. Um, he tells a story. But man, like when, when a child starts to say words, I think we take words for granted. You know, there's power in it. I want you to think about scripture, the power of God's words. When he speaks, galaxies come into being. He breathed the stars into existence. This God that we serve, he speaks and he creates things. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, The power of life and death is in the tongue. I, I was reading a little bit and they say, It often takes seven positive words or experiences to outweigh the one negative word. Isn't that crazy? I, I, you know, I was thinking I might need like 20 positive words to outweigh that one. It's like, like someone, a whole bunch of people say you have a good game. And then someone's like, you're bad at this. And you're just like, that's all I think about. That's all. <laughs> Pastor Tim, if you're watching, I, I, I see you, man. I see you. <laughs> um, yeah, seven positive. Think about that. Um, I was reading something Craig Gershell mentioned, you know, sometimes it, it's... Uh, when we have negative things to say, we say it real quick in like leadership or in relationships. We have a negative thing to say, oh, I don't like how you're playing. Uh, the ride's too loud or like this. And you have this negative thing and you say it. But then you have this positive thing and you're like, oh, man, that person's amazing. And you keep it inside, right? I try in my leadership to tell people if you have something positive, say it every single time. Because the negative you're going to think about that. Think about the last time you had an encouraging word. And you know what's sad? You can probably remember the last time more so that you had a negative word said to you. And you know this question that I'm, that I'm asking is what are you more convinced of? Think about that. You know, we talked about in the scripture at the beginning, I'm convinced of this, Romans 8, 38. I think a lot of us really do think down on ourselves. And a lot of us are really convinced that we are worthless or there were failures or things, this and that. And I think that a lot of times when we don't have answers, when you don't have answers, you feel like you're like, I don't know, who, who am I, you know? I want to I control my destiny. I want to control my situation. I don't know if, if you've been there, but what do you do through your struggles, through negative words? What, what I believe and what I've found, and I want to show you guys is there's been words spoken to me in the midst of my unanswered questions seasons that have changed the entire course of my life. Maybe not answers, but there have been words. So let me start out and just tell you a little bit about my story. Is that all right? I don't like talking too much about myself, but I want to be vulnerable in this time. And so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about football. Um, <laughs> It's funny now that I'm 28 and I look back on football, I'm like, it wasn't that big a deal. But when you're a young kid, when you're, well, young kid, I graduated when I was 22 from college. And I was still trying to play football. So I guess that's a young kid. But it's like everything. 
I don't know if it's my dad's fault or what it is, but sports is like everything. My whole life, it's like, I just want to play in the NFL. I, I remember, this is just, just a quick story for you. Uh, I remember when I was in fourth or fifth grade, and we had a reading teacher. I know you're probably not supposed to quote names on, uh, I was about to say live television, but uh, online or whatever. Uh, but it, her name was Miss Reed. And she looked out, I don't know if this was exactly what she said, but she looked out at the students and she said, no one here is going professional sports in anything. And I don't remember what she said after that, but I got so mad. Like, and I just imagine, this, can I just be honest with you? I'm being honest. I just imagined myself getting carried like Rudy on football players' shoulders and then getting interviewed after an NFL game and saying, see, Miss Reed, I told you. I told you I could do it. <laughs> Anyways, I, I guess I didn't. I guess she was right. But those, ty those types of things. See, I remember the negative. I remember the negative. We need seven words. Seven words, tell me right now. So anyways, yeah, my whole life is like football and God. Football and God. And uh, if, if a girl saw me, it would probably like, your life is football and God. Or <laughs> I don't know, sports and I play basketball too. But uh, so anyway, I had a, a great football career, um, but, I, but I just want to talk a little bit about my senior year. I felt like so many things were like perfectly God-ordained. You know, I, obviously I had some struggles and some situations and some climactic decisions that I had to make and all those things, but um, ended having a great career at Georgetown. Um, but my senior year was one of those, God, when I get to heaven, maybe you're going to have to answer a few questions for me. Um, so like I had like the best year of my life was my junior year. And then I ended up getting preseason defensive player of the year in the league going into my senior year. Real excited about it. Um, second game of the season. Now get this. Okay. Second game of the season. I'm hoping to play in the NFL. Uh, like I want to, that's my dream, right? Football and God. That's, that's my dream. And, uh, uh, the player comes around this side like this, and I'll never forget it. And I go to tackle him, and my own player hits me in the shoulder, and I tear ligaments in my AC joint. Get x-rays, um, out for two games. Ended up having to push through it my whole senior year, but I just was never the same. Um, and it was really frustrating, you know? You're like, this, this is it, you know? I believe God cares about every little thing. If you're, if you're a youth person and you're playing sports, God cares. God is teaching you discipline. God's teaching you teamwork and all those things. God really cares. And God, was, God cared for me in those times. I, I really believe that. But it was really hard. You know, you only have 10 games or so to play. And it's like, God, you know that I love this. You know, this is a way that I worship you. And here I am out two games, and, and really the pain I suffered all through that year. Um, but anyways, I, I still got first team. I was really excited about the potential of playing in the NFL. So I go to my pro day before some teams, real excited for that. And then I pull my hamstring in the 40-yard dash. And some people might not have a clue what that is, but that's one of the biggest things that you can do. Basically tells you whether you're capable of playing in the league or not, your 40-yard dash. And here I am, pulled hamstring, laying on the ground, just like, God, 
you know? And, and, and back to even that, that, that game, the second game of the season, I prayed every time, practice or game, right before I stepped onto the field, God, would you keep me safe? You know, God, would you keep me free from injury? Help me to play as best as I possibly can. Lord God, I'm playing for you, an audience of one. Every single time, I wouldn't, I wouldn't miss a time. And here I am, just in the matter of a year. All this thing that I'm about to say happens within a year. Then I have to perform before uh, NFL scouts on Saturday. This was Wednesday, my pro day. And then Saturday, I was going to Ford Field in Detroit, Detroit Lions Stadium, the Dome, and performing in front of all the NFL scouts. I can't run my 40 because I have a pulled hamstring. Have to push through it. I'm putting like icy hot on it and stuff like that, trying to numb the pain as much as possible. So anything that you see on YouTube, me doing my 5-10-5, that's with a pulled hamstring. So <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just throw that out there. Um, yeah, so I do, I do, I do my pro day. I, I, I do that, and then um, the draft comes. Ended up not getting drafted to throw all the discrepancies. Some people just go out there and say he was drafted by the Ravens. I was not drafted. I was called on the Saturday right after the draft uh, to come to camp with the Baltimore Ravens, and it was like this is awesome. God has brought me through this year. God has brought me through. God has brought me through. And I kept reading, you know, Abraham and Isaac, where it, it seems like Abraham has to lay the promise down on the altar. But it's like, uh, yeah, lay it down. And if you're okay with laying it down, then I'll give it to you. You know, and that's what I felt like. It's like, I lay football down. And then God's like, yeah, like now you're, you're, you're fine with me. You're satisfied with me. And I'm, I'm going to give it to you. And this is my place. Now I get to go to the Ravens. And here I am. I put the uniform on, put the helmet on. I talk to Coach Harbaugh. He knows my name. That's, that's pretty cool, you know, all these types of things. And, and, and I'm really excited about it. And then like the second day, uh, I'm backpedaling as a safety and I do something that I've done a million times and I even know the scripture that God can keep my foot from slipping and I step back doing one of the practice drills and I tear ligaments in my foot. I practice the rest of the time and uh, end up after a couple film room sessions not even really being able to walk. A lot of questions. A lot of questions and when they released me I remember sitting in the car He said, Dustin, this is about football, but this was my life, man. This was my life. This was my dream. I worked so hard for it. I worked twice a day. I worked out twice a day. I couldn't even sit on the couch because if I'd sit on the couch, I'd think someone else is working. So I'd go back to the gym. I'd go run. I could do something. I gave my whole self to this thing. And here I am. It's swept out from under me. Have you ever been there? Might not have been football, but have you ever been in that situation? And here I am sitting in my car, screaming at the top of my lungs. What? God, what? I was coming here for you. That's what I felt like. This was my platform. This was my opportunity. This was my dreams coming true. You're the fulfiller of all my dreams. And here I am. What do you do right now? And I just feel like a loser. I got to be honest. I feel like a failure. I feel like I let people down, my, my Georgetown team and my coaches. And I remember my roommate before I left the door to go to the Ravens camp, he said, you deserve this, man. And I feel like I just let so many people down. So discouraged, so disappointed. I felt like it was just, just the end. I just want to go somewhere and fall in a pit. That's what I felt like. And God, I have so many unanswered questions. 
And there were words from Jesus. There were words from the Holy Spirit. Well, one of the most profound things that I'll, 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 I'll never forget, I'll never forget is when my dad texted me. And I'll say this, I think every time I'll share my story. Thank you, Dad. Dad just had a way of doing things, of, of saying the words just at the right time. He's, he's a man of few words, but he, when he says a word, we all respect it. All of his kids respect every single word he says. Dad, I was, I was just looking at, at, at a box that mom gave me to take to my house, and you wrote a note to me in 10th grade saying that you were sorry how you acted towards me after a game, that you were proud of me, and that you knew I was anointed for worship, and that you knew I was talented, and playing, a, playing varsity as a sophomore, you were just so proud, and that mom, could, mom and you couldn't be more proud. And I was reading that just the other day, and I couldn't believe it. Dad, you've been such an encouragement to me. And Dad texted me, when I felt like a failure, he texted me, you're a champion in my book. He said that word, you're a champion in my book. That can sound corny to you, but to me it was everything. It meant the world. The Father's approval meant the world to me. And that changed everything. I remember, you know, Facebook posts and statuses and stuff, but I remember knowing that I need to reach out to everybody and tell them all the glory goes to God, that I didn't deserve this anyways, and, and that, I, that I felt like that God was with me. God was sticking with me. God was my Velcro. God was holding on to me even when I wasn't holding on to Him. And I was just at that place. And Dad said that I was a champion. Have you ever been in that place, maybe even before Dad, Dad responded to me, but in that place of unanswered questions? Proverbs 17, verse 22 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. That's what I felt like before my dad's good word to me. Dried up bones. I had a crushed spirit. Maybe you're in that situation right now. I want to encourage you. I want to give you life. Jesus, may you speak to my brothers and sisters. I want to talk about three words that can change the entire course of your life. And they're not answers. They're just words. And number one is this, a word from Jesus. You say, Dustin, this is the, this is the pastor answer. This is the goody two-shoe answer. No, I believe it's the real answer. For all of our struggles and all of our situations, a word from Jesus. John 1.1 tells us that in the beginning was the word, or the logos, the purpose. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Then the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Jesus. Jesus is the Word becoming flesh. A word from Jesus can change everything because He is always enough. He says, try me. He is the fulfiller of your soul. The kind Word in the darkness. The light of the world. He brings new mercies every morning. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Child. Seek a word from Jesus. Number two, what, what can change the entire course of your life is not an answer, but a word from the breath. Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God is alive and it is active. It's breathing by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, the breath is what illuminates the word to bring life to us. Jesus is the word and the breath comes. The Holy Spirit comes to breathe life on the word and to illuminate it unto our souls and to lead us into all truth. 
So a word from Jesus is awesome. As we open up the scriptures, the word from Jesus is amazing, but it's the breath that illuminates the word and points us to Jesus. That's what it's all about. And, and we'll realize that as we go a little bit farther and talk. So we got number one, a word from Jesus. And number two, a word from the breath. And number three, here's what I feel, a word from your brother. Three words that can change, even just one of these three, can change the entire course of your life. When dad said, champion, a kind word can cheer up a heavy heart. A kind word to your brother or your sister can cheer up a soul in the darkest place. Don't belittle your impact, church with the words that you say to your brothers and sisters. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say to your black brothers and sisters, to your Asian brothers and sisters, to your white brothers and sisters, to your Latino brothers and sisters, don't belittle the word, my brother, the encouraging word to speak and say, do you know that I love you? Do you know I don't think a certain way towards you? Do you know this? Because a kind word can change everything. A word from Jesus, a word from the breath, and a word from your brother. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. But a kind word cheers it up. Have you ever been in that place, down in the dumps, and you're reading scripture, and uh, it says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and it lifts your soul. Have you ever been down in the dumps, and, and uh, you read in Romans 8 that God is for you, not against you? Have you ever been down in the dumps and says, who will rescue this wretched man? Oh, Jesus Christ, thanks be to God. Jesus is alive. Let Him speak to you today. Let Him speak to you. As I prayed at the offering that we would go deeper that we wouldn't think surface level. So many of the answers that we're seeking are just surface level. They're not deep. They don't really even hold much substance. So you say in response to those words, Dustin, none of these are answers to my questions. But I believe personally that they are in and of themselves answers. But let me tell you, While I know that Jesus is the answer for the world today, can I be real with you for a second? I still struggle with why I missed out on the Ravens. Now I know, you know, my family, but you know, God can do anything. God can make anything possible. I still struggle with why my roommate's mother died our sophomore year. I still struggle with why one of my best friend's baby has three holes in her heart and I hold a perfect one. Why some people can't have kids, I, I struggle. Why your parents got divorced when you sought the Lord day and night. I still struggle with why your kids still away from the Lord, I still struggle. I still struggle with why Mark Rose died. I still struggle with that. 
I still struggle with why my pap Galen didn't raise from the hospital bed when I was a warrior nine-year-old boy standing in faith and praying for his healing. I still struggle with that, but deep down in my soul, I hear the Holy Spirit say, Dustin, what are you convinced of? And I'm convinced that he's never left me. That he'll never leave me. I'm convinced that he's faithful through and through. That all his promises are yes and amen. That nothing can separate me from Jesus. His love, it never fails. He is the fulfiller and culmination of all God's promises. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are his child and he is your father. You are who he says you are. I'm convinced. Where else shall I go, Lord? Here's where I find eternal life and that is what I know and that's what I'm convinced of this is my velcro not to know all the answers but to know the one who does not to know all the answers, but to know the answer the way the truth and the life and his name is Jesus and the church says amen so I conclude with scripture John 20 Let's open up our Bibles as we were in Romans 8 and we'll turn to the left to John chapter 20. And I believe this will just put hopefully the Holy Spirit icing on the cake. The disciples were in this situation where they had more questions than answers. And like I said, I think we've all been in that place where we have more questions than answers. And this might even be your season right now where you wake up every morning and you just have so many questions. God, why did this happen? God, why? why? God, why? God, why? Here's the disciples and Mary and others. They have given their entire life to follow Jesus. They've, They've given away everything. Jesus told them years ago, come, a couple years ago, come, follow me. And they left everything to follow him. Read it in the Gospels. They've left everything to follow him. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of their life. And here he is, crucified, tortured, dead, in a tomb. I, I don't want us to skip ahead. This, this, this is the situation they're in. This is the situation. God, where, where's the answer? We've left everything. My whole life, Jesus is, is dead. My whole life wasted, worthless. Here we are. I, I, I left everything to follow Jesus. I left everything. And here we are. He's dead. He's done. And we pick up the story in John 20, verse 14. And it says, At this, Mary turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. So much of this will preach, but just bear with me. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? 
So she's crying. Who is it you're looking for? And you've probably heard so many messages on this, but just thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him. And, and she's crying because she doesn't have any answers. She just wants to be around Jesus. She thought Jesus was the answer. And I will get him. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, does, does, Jesus, does Jesus give her all the answers? Does Jesus explain why he had to go through every beating, every torture? Did Jesus? No, look what he says. He says, Mary. A word from Jesus, right? He says, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out and said, Rabboni, which means teacher or master. One word from Jesus in the midst of your deepest, darkest cave can lift your soul to cry out. Jesus, Master. And we keep going. In verse 19, we skip ahead. Well, she ends up going and telling the disciples, a word from your brother. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, and think about it, the, the disciples still have tons and tons of questions. Tons of questions. Jesus came and stood among them and said, this is, this is significant. Do not miss this. Do not miss this. He doesn't say any answers. We know they have a million questions of why the Savior of the world, their champion, their fighter, their victorious king has been dead. He comes to them and says the most meaningful, profound words. He says, peace be with you. Have you ever experienced that? Or he might not give you the answer, but Jesus comes to you and you just know it. A blessed assurance that you know full well. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again Jesus said, peace be with you. I think he says it to you this morning. Whenever you're listening to this, I think he just says this. This is your answer. Peace be with you. In my presence, peace be with you. And then, and, and then as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In verse 22, this is powerful. And with that, he, what was number two? A word from the breath. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And you know what I believe? I believe the Holy Spirit illuminated a lot of the answers. The Holy Spirit illuminated who Jesus really was. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. He gives them authority. He gives them power. Then he said, but he said to them, oh, 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 I, I'm sorry. I'm skipping ahead. And this is, then it, then it talks about Thomas. Thomas wasn't there. And the disciples, I'm getting, I'm getting somewhere. The disciples try to explain to Thomas. It's not, it's not good enough. It's not good enough to Thomas. Thomas has so many questions. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, unless I get all the answers, put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. That's how a lot of us are. And a week later, 
His disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said for the third time, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I think the Lord wants to say that to somebody. I think the Lord wants to convince you of that right now, right, right where you are. You're driving in the car, worshiping the Lord. You turn this podcast on or wherever you're listening online. The Lord wants you to feel that and become overwhelmed by His peace. Because somehow it all makes sense. Even in the midst of senseless situations and chaotic times, even in the midst like Paul in prison, it's this peace that surpasses all understanding. And that's where a Christian's power lies, in the peace of of God, in the dove, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, peace be with you. And then this is it. This is my final point. This is, this is all she wrote. And then I, I want us to say law. I want us to meditate. I want us to roar and shout the walls down. I want us to sing about the true promises of God that he's faithful. I want you to lift your hands in victory even when you don't see the victory. I want you to shout yes and amen. Then Jesus tells Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. But this, this is it. This is for you. This is for me. In John 20, verse 29, then Jesus told him, because, get this, get this. You've heard this verse many times. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. In other words, blessed are you who don't have all the answers and yet believe. Blessed are you that have so many gray areas, so many disappointments, so many discouragements, and yet are Velcroed and convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Blessed are you. Blessed are you who stand up and sing even though you're a barren woman. Blessed are you, man whose woman's gone away. You have no one else in your life, no hope, and you feel alone, and yet you believe he is holding on to you. Be convinced of it, my brother. Be convinced of it. Blessed are you, wanderer, prodigal son, who turns and finds the father and says, I just, I don't know all the answers. I just believe. He says, blessed are you. Blessed are all those who believe. I'm going to read this last scripture and then I just want you guys to go for it. I have told you these things, John 16, 33, so that in me, in me, in this place alone, in me, you may have peace. In this world, it is a guarantee that you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Things will not make sense. You will have difficulty. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I love you and I bless you. May the Lord go before you 
and may he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Bless you, my family. Bless you, the community. May the Lord grant you peace and favor. And may you trust that all his promises are yes and amen through Jesus. Bless you.